This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show taking a journey through the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your guide, Peter Korchnak. One of the principal tools of preserving, presenting, and producing memory is the museum. As a cultural institution, the museum emerged in the 19th century to support the building of new or reviving nations across Europe by displaying and interpreting their history. The museum plays a major role in constructing and reconstructing collective identity and social cohesion around a common narrative. The story a nation tells itself about itself. As events transpire, as societies and regimes and governments change, the interpretations of history the museum displays change as well. The museum as the site of memory, lieu de mémoire as the French historian Pierre Nora calls it, simultaneously reflects and shapes how past events and periods are remembered and forgotten in a society's discourse. In other words, the museum as a site of memory is where history as it was constructed and reconstructed in the past meets history as it is constructed and reconstructed today. Nowhere is the evolution of the museum as a site of memory, and indeed the evolution of memory itself, more visible than in the historical museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina in Sarajevo. Celebrating its 75th anniversary this year, and holding some 400,000 artifacts, the Historical Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina has survived three name changes, two regimes, and one long siege. Its own history embodies how memory and remembrance in Bosnia and Herzegovina, from socialist Yugoslavia to the present day, have evolved and perhaps where they're going. My guide to that narrative and her own at the foreground is my guest Elma Hojic, a curator or custodian at the museum. An art historian and writer by vocation, by her own description, she is also a researcher, grant writer, project coordinator, technician, housekeeper, and doorsman at the museum. As a curator, you have to do everything, she says. Elma was also one of Bosnia's representatives in the Inappropriate Monuments Project I discussed with one of Serbia's representatives in a previous episode. Elma's personal background and connection to the socialist heritage shapes the focus of her work. And I started visiting some of the memorial places of the Second World War, and I realized that these places, although they have been maybe irritating me with their discourse, they are very endangered. The museum is very much a place where the past enters and occupies the present, not just in what's on display, but also how it's exhibited. And it's very interesting to see how one war actually pushed aside or pushed in the basement the Second World War. And as a young museologist, Elma has a lot to say, not just about the past, but also about the future. I really and firmly believe that our small steps can make big changes. Ordinary people, multiple Tito statues, and Walter also make an appearance. Elma Hojic, you were born just as Yugoslavia was falling apart, and so you have no personal recollection of the country itself. How did your family background and education shape your life? I was born three years before the war in Bosnia and Herzegovina started. My father was a professional Yugoslav soldier who joined Bosnian army. So when peace in Bosnia and Herzegovina came, we were still the society with a lot of needs. There were so many things that we had to deal with, and I did not have the time to think about my identity. I, I just had to, you know learn very hard in order to become uh, someone who can maintain its own life in the future. Then I've decided to study uh, literature and art history. 
And when we had uh, some topics connected with social realism in art, it was very weird for me. Because my family was not nostalgic about Yugoslavia, although my father was a Yugoslav soldier. Yugoslavia was something that which we did not open a lot in my family. The war was still very fresh. I think the wounds from the war were very difficult for my family. And I think that this part of, of the past was in a way blocked. I was very irritated with the books that I could read from the period of Yugoslavia, with news articles and with um, with this very big glorifying discourse about Josip Brostito, because for me it was a big fat lie, because I've suffered from the consequences of that bad love. So uh, personally, I was irritated, and when I read these books and texts, I could I could notice that something was very fake in these narratives. I can relate to Elma's story. One of the defining moments of my life took place during the Velvet Revolution when the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia's rule got swept away. It was then that I, a smart, well-behaved young pioneer with a bright future in the socialist system, realized that everything I believed, the building of communism, the dictatorship of the proletariat, the whole Red Star shebang, was a lie. But then I started, at some point, reconnecting with this heritage when I was finishing my university, there was a tendency to re-talk about Yugoslavian heritage. And I started visiting some of the memorial places of the Second World War. And I realized that these places, although they have been maybe irritating me with their discourse, they are very endangered. And I think that this fragility of socialist heritage was my personal trigger to be involved in the stories that are kept in, in the museum. I came to a museum of the revolution as a volunteer, as someone who was doing his master thesis. And I've discovered that this museum was actually, this is a typical Cinderella story of a wealthy girl that stays without any resources. So I wanted to be part of it. I, I just want, I feel a very natural need to help the museum. And that's how my symbiosis with the museum started. It's about discovering this big potential of socialist heritage, which was there. It was just standing in front of my eyes and sometimes fingers. Uh, so I started reconnecting once again. And I realized that although this discourse could be very irritating for young people, I wanted to know why. Why today's youth do not believe in brotherhood and unity? What was the reason? What happened? Why we do not have the faith in common values? So that's why I've started doing my researches. And I felt a very natural need to also reconnect this museum with other museums in Bosnia-Herzegovina, which had the same mission, same goals. And I've also discovered that 70s were the golden era of Bosnian museology. That's when I felt also how many resources Yugoslav society had. And I started comparing two post-war systems, Bosnia-Herzegovina after the Second World War, Bosnia-Herzegovina after the last war. What were the differences? So there were so many open topics and open questions that are still there. I've literally did not managed to answer any of them. But nevertheless, I find this process of raising questions very important. 
The history of the Historical Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina unfolds in three acts. In the first, from 1945 when the Second World War ended to 1992 when the Siege of Sarajevo began, it was called the Museum of the People's Revolution of Bosnia and Herzegovina, then the Museum of the Revolution of Bosnia and Herzegovina. The Museum of the Revolution, as it was commonly known, was Socialist Yugoslavia's premier cultural historical institution. It's the phase when the museum was established as a place uh, to keep memories on the Second World War and to use these memories in order to create collective identity, collective spirit, collective narrative of ex-socialist state. The museum was actually designed to be a place which would uh, have a dialogue with the society. Posters and propaganda were used as a medium to make collections. People have been invited to take a role in establishing the museum. It's a phase of Bosnian history where the society felt, or the state also, felt the need to make the memory public and to actually commemorate not just the victims of the Second World War, but also to remember the important personalities, historical characters, and also to mark uh, important battles and important events of the Second World War. And in that terms, the museum played an, a huge role. So the museum was actually a coordinator of unofficial network, which was established in the 70s. And the curators of the museum had an important role to help their colleagues to build uh, museums and memorial places. The museum participated in creating Memorial Park in Vratsa, uh, the museum in Foča, in Drvar, and it had so many cooperations with other smaller memorial institutions. It was very important the fact that Bosnia-Herzegovina was a state or republic with the largest number of national heroes, where the major battles of the Second World War, War occurred. So it was very important in a way to recreate this collective memory and to use these past historical stories to create better future. So the museum was a generator, not just in terms of creating these uh, memories, but also directing youth and locals to the better future. We usually say it's people's museum. It's a, it's a museum which belongs to everyone, and it's a politics that we actually used in other phases of, of history of the museum as well. The golden era of the museum uh, was marked with the process of creating collective identity within youth as well. So museum was actually used as an educational hotspot, a place where all pioneers, all youth of Bosnia and Herzegovina would gather in order to discover the values of socialist state. And I think that the museums are also about values, and I think that we usually forget that. The museum building is a wonderful example of the international style in modernism. It consists of a basement with an enclosed walled-in yard or garden, an elevated ground floor encased in glass, and a large marble cuboid comprising the upper story, which gives the building its nickname, the cube, and which seemingly hovers above the street. A droll story on the museum's website relates how one of the architects conceived the idea for the building. When the idea was born, the only paper that he had beside him was toilet paper. Museum building was declared National Monument of Bosnia and Herzegovina, and it was de developed as some sort of a sculpture with a main exhibition space, uh, which is called the Cube. And the Cube, uh, before the, re the, the last war in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the Cube was all about socialism, history of Yugoslavia, history of the Second World War. 
So there was a big narrative there which supported the idea of socialist state. Although it, the museum belonged to a very specific ideological uh, system, I think it's very interesting nowadays to discover its messages and hidden meanings. The second act of the museum's history unraveled during the Siege of Sarajevo from 1992 to 1995. The museum's building was damaged by the shelling, some of the damage is still visible, and the museum was renamed to the Historical Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina, its current name. The museum was working during the siege, but there were just several uh, employees that actually stayed in the museum that were working and that saved the cultural heritage kept in the museum collections. It was a very turbulent and very difficult phase of Bosnian history with a lot of human loss, and we are very lucky that the majority of the museum collections have been saved. The final act of the museum's history began after the Dayton Agreement was signed, concluding the war on the territory of Bosnia and Herzegovina 25 years ago this December. When peace broke out, the museum underwent significant changes. It was no longer sustainable for the museum to stay the Museum of the Revolution. The museum had to find maybe its new missions or new goals, and it was supposed to be redesigned as the Museum of Contemporary, of, of Modern History. It was an act of saving the museum, because the relationship between socialist heritage and the society became very weird, during very problematic during the war, and many memorials and many museums have been destroyed, just because they were inappropriate heritage. They were, in a way, destroyed because they have been part of Tito's system. The core permanent exhibit in the post-Dayton period was Sarajevo under siege. When I visited the museum in 2013, the exhibit occupied the entire cube, replacing or succeeding the socialist exhibit on World War II history. And it's very interesting to see how one war actually pushed aside or pushed in the basement the Second World War. The permanent exhibition, which is now called Besieged Sarajevo, is a story of, of civilians, of people that survived the siege. Each object that, that uh, one can see in the exhibition are donations of people that wanted to be, be part of, of the museum discourse, that wanted to save, preserve their, their memories. So it's an ongoing process, and it's, I think, 15 years of collecting objects and stories from the siege. But now we are in the process of redesigning the whole exhibition. We have invited friends of the museum, uh, international uh, museologists, museum professionals, heritage professionals, and international historians to help us in rethinking the stories about the siege. Each curator in this museum is in a way affected by the war. And I think it's still very difficult for us to find a right perspective, especially since we want to use this exhibition as a platform for dialogue. We do not want to have a closed story. This is a living museum, a living exhibition, and we would like to actually use the exhibition to talk about the war, but to make peace in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And it's a difficult process. I think that we have to have international team in order to be objective and to tell this story in a best possible way, and also still to leave the, the, the space for dialogue. And we will do our best to present some stories that have the potential to build peace in Bosnia and Herzegovina as well. And we also try to find global universal values, which will help our guests, international visitors, also to reconnect with the story of Seed. 
Elma says there are three phases of the museum's history. But on my most recent visit, in December 2019, I noted something new outside the truncated siege exhibit. I'd venture to say the museum has entered the next phase, applying an approach that's nowadays called bottom-up, but that actually resembles how the museum operated during socialism. For example, the Living Museum exhibit had, in the summer of 2019, artists, curators, and researchers produce artworks and curatorial critical interventions relating to items from the museum's art collection and to use the museum space as an open art studio. And an upcoming exhibit will explore the role and stories of Bosnian women in creating monuments and memorials around the city. At any rate, the museum does its work without any support from the government. This affects not only the museum's finances, but also its memory-making capacity. Josip Rostito actually, as the figure of the president, played an, a huge role in marking the place as an important educational and memory place. Museum curators used to write letters to Josip Rostito, and the cabinet of the president would answer to these letters. Uh, we have an impressive guest book where Josip Rostito actually wrote down several words about the importance of this institution in the socialist system. And I'm saying all of this because nowadays museum works in a totally different way. Still, there is no Ministry of Culture of Bosnia and Herzegovina on a state level. Republika Srpska has its own Ministry of Culture. Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina has its own Ministry of Culture. But there is no common ministry. There is no common narrative. There is no common idea of the potential or importance of cultural institutions in order to create collective identity. And I wonder also what would be post-war Bosnian identity. Do we have an identity? Museums are very serious institutions, but also very lucid institutions as well. It's a paradox of an institution which is trying to be a bridge between past. The past is not sustainable. It's very fluid. It's very somewhere in the air. And the presence, we have the sense that it's very there and the future is still very in the air. So how to be a bridge between time? How to be a time machine? That's what the museums are all about. Uh, so I wonder what is the identity of Bosnians or people that nowadays live in Bosnia. I, I do not see a common history, although it exists, but I don't see a will of people to express maybe, or not just people, the state. I think that the people have the will to live together, but I, I'm not sure that the politics have a will to reconnect us. The lack of funding for repairs and maintenance is palpable at the museum. And yet, despite the shortage of political and economic support, the museum felt fresher, more up-to-date, youthful even, and dare I say future-oriented than before. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have the money, actually. But we have a lot of freedom and a lot of responsibility. We don't have a lot of capacities when it comes to building some attractive exhibitions in terms of design and but we have a lot of local stories which are so important and I usually say that this is not the museum which can explain stories about important queens and kings of Bosnia or historical personalities this is the museum which explains history from from the perspective of everyday life of small but very big people that live in Bosnia and Herzegovina. The, the museum was in a way forced 
to discover the perspective of everyday life, since there were no politicians or official strategies that would lead the, the museum team. What else could we have? We have just ordinary people that have a lot of problems, and we actually wanted to be a generator. We wanted to use the strategies of the museum of the revolution, to use some of the values that the museum promoted, and we wanted to um, make a platform for critical thinking, for, for critical research of the past. We did not want to throw away our part of our identity just because it's no longer sexy to be Yugoslavia or Yugoslav. We just wanted to investigate that and to see what actually is there still something that we can reuse to reconnect the society and you know, just to critically observe the discourse of the Museum of the Revolution once again. We want to overcome the perspective of the victim. We want to talk about surviving and the spirit of the city, which survived for centuries. And I think that this perspective could also be very helpful for young people that are now thinking of leaving Bosnia-Herzegovina, going to Europe, finding job and, and their lives there. And I think that this exhibition could maybe be uh, some sort of a trigger for people to stay. It's ambitious, but still I, I firmly believe that the museum has this potential of, of changing future by reminding us how we actually struggled in the past or how we survived in the past. One of the exhibits that remains at the museum is a monumental statue of Tito, made by the Croatian sculptor Anton Augustinčić. The statue is down in the courtyard, looking over a number of World War II-era weaponry. When the siege started, all of these exhibits from the Museum of the Revolution were removed to the basements. The sculpture of Josip Rostito was part of the permanent display, and it was displayed together with other works of art. This sculpture, or the monument of Josip Rostito, made by Augustin Cic, is something that was very popular, that was very present in marking the, the space, and it's removed originally from its original place from the second floor, from the cube, and, and now it's in the garden. So the idea is now to have a museum of the revolution within the History Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina, to have these very public, open traces of the museum of the revolution. And the story about Josip Rostito is also one of them. This uh, monument of Josip Rostito was present everywhere in in ex-Yugoslavia. So for my parents and their generation, it's quite normal to have Josip Rostito everywhere. For my generation, uh, that does not have a lot of memories on Yugoslav state, we are in between. So we are quite normal that with the fact that our parents are familiar with the sculpture of, of Josip Rostito or is its image everywhere. But uh, the generation of my brother, which was born in 1993, during the war. For them, I think it's still very weird to have um, this icon everywhere. But it's not everywhere, actually. There are just several places where you can see the image of Josip Rostito in public space. The Augustinčić statue of Tito exists in seven copies outside a historical museum. The original is in Tito's birthplace in Kumrovets, Croatia. The others are at his burial place in Belgrade, Serbia, and then one apiece in Velenje and Kranj, Slovenia, Podgorica, Montenegro, Skopje, Macedonia, and just down the street from the Historical Museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina at the University of Sarajevo. Sarajevo also boasts a major street named after Tito. 
Though a number of streets, squares and parks named after Tito in ex-Yugoslav countries have been renamed in the past three decades, most notably in Zagreb, Sarajevo's Titova ulica persists, as do the city's other heroes. I think that Titova will always stay Titova. And you can rename it, but in the memory of, of people, it was it will still be a sentence, When I walked on Tito Street yesterday. Why Walter stayed? Why Walter is there? Walter stayed as a spirit of Sarajevo. His statue is still in the city center. His stories are everywhere. Young people remember him. I don't know whether it was influenced by the movie, but I think that everyone knows the sentence, Das ist Walter. And I think that there are some personalities and stories that never go out of fashion. Walter was the codename of Vladimir Perich, a Yugoslav partisan commander later proclaimed a national hero in German-occupied Sarajevo during World War II. A wall plaque and a small memorial commemorate Perich in the city. The 1972 film Walter Defends Sarajevo fictionalized Perich's wartime activities. It remains one of the most popular Yugoslav movies of all time. Its best-known line is delivered at the very end, in German, by a Nazi commander who had learned his fight against the resistance may just be futile. You see that city? That is Walter. Spilling over from Bosnian ethnopolitics, with structural problems in large part created by the Dayton Agreement, a general sense of dismay and powerlessness at the lack of prospects in a dire, corrupt economy are just some of the reasons for the country's high emigration rates. Pre-COVID official unemployment stood at over 18%. Between 2014 and 2019, some 175,000 people left Bosnia for better prospects abroad, and 7 in 10 Bosnians are dissatisfied with where their country is headed. It's worse for Bosnians aged 20 to 34. Unemployment stands at nearly 50%, and between 1996 and 2018, Bosnia lost more than 150,000 people in that young age bracket. So I have to ask Elma, a Bosnian at the turn of her 30s, about her reasons for staying. We are now the society, we are the generation of people that do not have any questions. And uh, one of my professors at university, he's one of the most uh, influential Bosnian living uh, writers, uh, his name is Javad Karahasan. He would ask us, do you have some questions? Please do not agree with me. We have to disagree. But we are a generation of people that is raised to have agreement with the system. We don't have to think. We just have to vegetate. We have to be there to serve, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what is our mission. But definitely we have to ask ourselves and we have to ask others. And I think that the museum is a place to raise questions. I really feel that Bosnia-Herzegovina is my home. I really and firmly believe that our small steps can make big changes. And I was very lucky to be one of the rarest art historians in my generation that found a job. And I think that this job is not just a job which you develop from 8 o'clock until 4. It's a mission. And I think that I found my place here. I'm not sure that I will stay because I will probably need some other challenges in my life. I will have to find a PhD opportunity. I will have to move maybe to other parts of the world in order to become a better Bosnian. 
or to to become a better citizen of the world. I'm not still sure there, but I st- I think that by traveling we learn a lot. We have the possibility to exchange experiences, and uh, each time that I stay in Bosnia for let's say two months, I become very depressive. I have to leave Bosnia in order to you know make some emotional disconnection and to find some new ideas, some new triggers somewhere in Slovenia and in England and everywhere, and to come back to my country, to my home. I think that all of us, we can contribute a lot. We have a beautiful uh, nature, we have a lot of history, and we have good people. And I think that we can do a lot with ideas and with a bit of patience. I know that it can be very difficult to live in Bosnia and Herzegovina, but I, I really recommend maybe to my generation just to find some sort of a balance between living abroad and living in Bosnia. My final question to Elma is, how can people support the museum aside from visiting, of course? I shouldn't have been surprised that despite the financial and other tangible issues the museum faces, the first thing she said was, tell us what you would like to see in the museum. You can also donate objects and stories, and of course money. A few years ago, the museum initiated a donation drive for funds to restore the art collection. A group of kids with disabilities made and sold their own small works of art and donated the proceeds to restore some museum paintings. You can always spread the good word, Elma concluded. It is my hope for this conversation to be one such contribution. After I leave the cube, I roam around the museum's yard. Next to the Tito statue lies a hollow chunk of bronze with a wooden support jutting out of it. It's what's left of the right arm of a statue dedicated to the memory of female combatants in the liberation of Sarajevo, which had stood at the Vraca Memorial Park before it got toppled and mutilated by metal-seeking vandals in 2013. The museum today preserves a piece of the memorial park that the museum of yesterday built. And as sad as it is to see a statue, a memory destroyed, that a piece of it remains preserved here until it's useful or remembered again fills me with hope. I step out of the time machine to the present moment. Up and down the Dragon of Bosnia Avenue, cars and buses and trams and people stream from here to there, from a moment past to a future unknown. That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening. Find resources, subscription links, and ways to support the podcast at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to bridge the present and the future of Remembering Yugoslavia, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast listening app or chip in on Patreon. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich. Additional music by NoSense licensed under Creative Commons. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao.
Sehen Sie diese Stadt? Das ist Walter. Musik